and Conky. Hey, everybody. Welcome. All right. So today, you guys, we have Ashley Stewart on the show. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Ashley. You're going to love what she has to say and the why behind her business. So let me just jump right in and share with you. Ashley is a fun-loving chocoholic who loves quoting movie lines and spending quality time with quality people. She is a mom to three neurodiverse kids, a wife, and an entrepreneur. Ashley grew up military and married military and moved for the 19th time last December. That's pretty amazing. Ashley got her bachelor's in radio broadcasting and spent 15 years as a radio DJ and voiceover artist. Four years ago, Ashley decided to step out on a limb and turn a talent for organizing into a full-time professional organization business. Rethink clutter. She focuses on the emotional attachments we have to our stuff and empowers other women to recognize and overcome them so they can get decluttered, organized, and increase their productivity. Ashley believes that it is 100% possible to own your life instead of being owned by stuff. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank what an impressive so batch. And everyone's going to notice your amazing radio voice on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> I know. Some days I wonder if I should even mention it just because then everybody's like, you need to do something in your radio voice. I'm like, this is my radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> You no. do. You have a good voice for radio. <laughs> you really do. You really do. And you have a knack for organizing. So here we are yes. talking about organizing and listening to your radio voice. I mean, it's really the combination. <laughs> Best of both worlds. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, Ashley, tell us, first of all, tell us about your journey into this business. I mean, what a unique business and how many people wake up and think I'm going to create a business about organizing, right? So tell us about your journey and where this came from. And I just love your story and can't wait for you to share it. Wonderful. I grew up in a very organized home. My mom was very much a perfectionist, but it was, it was in a good way. I mean, you can take it to the extreme too, but so I always grew up just thinking that everybody lived this way and I wasn't necessarily no, the epitome no, of organized. I, I mean, I was a sloppy kid. I was your normal kid. I had more clothes on the floor than anywhere else. And I get to college and, you know, my college roommates even held this little like college roommate meeting. Hey, you really need to clean up. Like we're tired of doing your dishes. Um, and so I did, I tidied up and, and I, and I knew, I mean, I had been taught a system growing up that this is what you do. This is how you approach things. And so it was very methodical and it was very easy to just slide right back into that system that I had been taught. Um, and I came home from, from class one day and I had a roommate giving a tour of my dresser drawers to one of her friends. <laughs> I said, uh, excuse me, what are you doing? And she said, well, honestly, who has drawers that look like this? And up until that point, I just thought everybody lived like that because I grew up. So here I was, you know, an 18, 19 year old girl thinking, well, yeah, of course, everybody's clean and tidy. And of course, that's not always the, always the case, but it wasn't until later, um, that, you know, I had, you know, I had three kids in four years and my marriage wasn't perfect. And we were moving and doing career shifts and, you know, losing grandparents and going through every single like major life transition that you can possibly think of, you know, and, and going through horrific birthing experiences and not feeling like your body is your own and, and not feeling, I mean, heaven's sakes, three kids in, in four years. It's like, who am I? 
Yes. What's going on? And all of a sudden I recognized that there was an emotional component to stuff and how we use stuff as a scapegoat and a crutch and, and an avoidance behavior. And so there was, there was this methodical side to organizing that I had always stayed on top of, but you know, I was thrown into this world of little kids and, and on all of this emotion on top of everything else. And I was just sitting there thinking, oh my word, what is this? And once I started figuring out how to overcome it on my own, then it was like, oh, well, you know what? I probably need to pay attention to what's going on in my own brain and what is happening because I think I can probably help other people. And I did. I finally got to a point where there were five, five friends in the same week that came out to me, hey, if, if this was your house, what would you do? Hey, come look at my living room and, and tell me what to do with this space. And, or, Hey, you know what? I am so lost. How would you put this together? And I realized, you know, I had really good practical solutions for all of these ladies. And some of them I was able to go and help in person, but there were other people that it was like, I just talked to them over the phone. They went and did it. And they got back to me and said, Hey, by the way, totally worked, totally worked. And I was like, okay, well, not only can I do I have good answers? I can teach people how to do this just like I was taught. So now what? Like, I think there's this thing called professional organizing. <laughs> Let me look into this. And I was going on a trip. And so I looked into podcasts and, and uh, there just happened to be this podcast um, by Lisa Woodruff about how to become a professional organizer. And I thought, okay, what are the chances? Honestly, Really? So I binge listened to this podcast all the while just shaking my head. Yep. 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 Okay. I do that. I know that. Okay. I already, okay. Why am I not this already? Why am I not a professional organizer? So my husband was like, this is awesome. Go for it. He helped me set up my LLC and I was off to the races. And so now I am four years into this thing and loving every minute of it. That is so cool. That's so amazing. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, <laughs> it's so fun. So I have to ask, you know, or ask you to share, we talked about this a little bit um, earlier, but you talked about there are 10 common excuses that your clients use when you sort of start having them sort through their stuff and declutter and organize and what have you. Yes. And I felt like if you would cover that, that might resonate with some people to help them, you know, sort of self-identify, hey, maybe... Maybe I am saying that, you know, as you were telling uh -huh. me, working around my cluttered office and I was like, oh gosh. Oh, I'm, here we go. Oh, no. doing some of these excuses. <laughs> so I would love for you to share with people because I think it'll help them get some insight into the emotional component that you were talking about as, yes. as it's connected to stuff. Yes. So there are actually, there are five, you were close. There are five okay. main, so, so there are, I mean, thousands of excuses that people give me. And the more I was in their home, the more I realized, okay, when they say this excuse, what's the root cause of that? What, what's the root cause of, of, of this excuse? What's going on really deep down inside that's, that's not allowing them to get rid of it because everybody always just says, Hey, declutter, 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 get organized, you know, go minimalistic or Swedish, Swedish death cleaning or, you know, anything that sparks joy, you know, you should just be able to just get rid of things. 
And that's not always the case. And so the longer I was in people's homes, the more I realized that there were five core reasons why they don't get rid of things. And so the first one is time. And that's not necessarily an emotional tie in and of itself, but the fact that people relate time to emotion, you know, they, they look in a room and they go, oh, I don't have time to do this. And then they get overwhelmed and it's this bombardment of emotion that they don't realize that they're dealing with. Um, but so they equate it to time and they say, I don't have time to deal with this. So I'm going to close the door and I'm going to wait another two and a half years before I open the door again. <laughs> um, and so the, the, alternate side. The other side of time is we have to be able to process the emotion. So sometimes we just don't have the time and we need to set a deadline just like anything else. Okay. You have three hours, you hire a babysitter, you put this, you know, this time allotment to decluttering and organizing. Great. Like get in and get it done. But sometimes we need to take the time to actually process mm -hmm. and say, okay, you know, if I have gone through a major transition, we have lost somebody, you know, somebody passed away or, you know, I moved from a place where I was really involved and I had this identity wrapped around everything that they did, that I did over here. And now I'm in a place where I don't have any connections and I don't have any family and I don't have an identity. Like we need to be able to process through some of the, the past to be able to let go. So here's the crazy thing about time is that when we take the time to process, we cannot shove whatever it is in a box and say, oh, I'm taking the time. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to be able to see it, to look at it, to converse, to tell the stories, to remember, to relive, to use whatever it is. But just throwing things in a box and saying, well, I'm just going to take the time to emotionally process that doesn't work that way. So you have to be able to handle the things and, and, and physically hold them to process that time emotion relationship. So two sides to time. If it really is truly just a time issue, take the time, get a babysitter and get it done. But if it's processing the emotions, first of all, you have to recognize what the emotion is. And then you have to handle it and feel it and look at it and talk about it and things like that before you can actually move on and let it go. So sometimes it's just, oh, I needed to relive the glory days. You know, I needed to talk about that twice and I'm done. Hooray. We can get rid of it. End of story. And sometimes, hey, you know what? I need to leave my husband's shoes in that same place next to the, the front door for 10 years seeing them and looking at them and being reminded of, of that he used to live in this place for 10 years before time allows me to be done. And so it, it's not a problem. Take the time that you need to process and time will tell you when you're done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people like me can come and can kind of push you and can edge you, you know, can get you into a place where you can be uncomfortable just to kind of break that status quo. But we still need to be able to take the time to process. So moving from time to the second one is nostalgia. And sometimes we do really need to process those emotions. The crazy thing about nostalgia is that it's a complex emotion. So we can feel happiness and sadness and longing and yearning and you know sometimes anger and all these different things. But if it doesn't include happiness, it's not true nostalgia. If it's just memories or if there's more guilt involved than anything else, that's not true nostalgia. No, nostalgia has to do two things. So first of all, it has to include happiness 
And then number two, it has to connect you to something greater. So a team, a family, a religion, something that connects you to something greater uh, that's outside of yourself, it has to be able to do those two things. So if you can, if you can connect to those, you know, whatever this item is on those two levels, then great. It's probably a treasure. Uh, so hang on to it and save it and preserve it and, and use it and love it and experience it. Uh, if it's, if it doesn't connect you to something greater and it doesn't bring you happiness, it's not true nostalgia. And so we probably need to address it on a different level. If it's not nostalgia, chances are it's probably number three, which is guilt. We feel guilty on so many levels for the things that we have, uh, or we feel guilty either hanging on to it. Oh, like it's just taking up so much space and I feel guilty hanging on to it. And yet, yet it's still good and I can still get something out of it. And, and this was Aunt Bertha's favorite. And if I got rid of it, like she would just feel so bad. You know, this was a gift. This was from grandma and grandpa at Christmas. And, and, you know, there's just layers and layers and layers and layers of guilt that we attribute to stuff, either hanging on to it or getting rid of it. It's insane to me that we can feel guilty about getting rid of something and feel guilty about keeping it at the same time. Oh my word. So what we do is we combat that guilt with gratitude. And we, we say, you know what? Oh my goodness, thank you. And, and pay it forward. You know, thank you to um, mom and dad who made cute little finger puppets for my kids for Christmas. Thank you so much for taking the time, for thinking of me, for investing money, for doing whatever it is. You know, if you can speak to their love language, speak to their love language um, to say thank you so much for thinking of me. We're done with it though. And we're not we're not getting the same thing out of it as what we used to. And so we're going to pay that gratitude forward, that time and investment and money and thought that you put into me and my kids. I'm going to pay that forward and I'm going to give it to the kids down the street who don't really have very much. So they feel validated as a gift giver. And I also feel good getting rid of it. You know, something that is still good. I feel good giving it to somebody who needs it and can get the value out of it that that can happen. So if it's, if it's guilt, combat that guilt with gratitude. If it's not guilt, it's usually one of the other two. First of all, what the one of the biggest, most all encompassing reasons why we can't get rid of things is because of a perceived value that we think something is worth something more than what it is. So oh, I spent, hard. I, I, <laughs> I have so many comments. I can't wait. Keep going as you are. And most of the time people are like, wait a minute. Is there one of these that you're not going to, that I'm, that you're going to say that I'm not going to be connected to? The chances are no, you're going to have something in your house that fits each and every one of these descriptions. And so just, I'm a unicorn. I'm a unicorn with this. You. Right. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, perceived value. It's really easy to look around our house and go, I spent $200 on that. If I'm going to sell it, I'm going to sell it for $150. doesn't matter that online it's going for 20, but you know, I bought a pair of fry boots. I love fry boots. I love the real leather. My dad grew up with fry boots. And so to me, it was like nostalgia combined with value. And so I bought a pair, like I thought it was a screaming deal. I bought them online for $40. I'm like, Oh, this is amazing. Well, they didn't fit quite right. And so the same week I relisted them for $40 because I'm like, I just had them a week. Okay. 
Well, they sat and sat and sat and nothing happened. Okay. So I dug into it a little bit and the, here are the same, like all of the fry boots that I found online were the exact same style, which tells me, okay, something is wrong with this particular style of boot. I should have done a little bit of homework into, you know, and read reviews and things like that. And so I went and looked and everybody that was selling the boots, they were selling them for like $12, $15. So the fact that I got a screaming deal, quote unquote, didn't matter because they weren't selling for $40. They were selling for 12. Mm -hmm. That is how we have to approach the value of our things. Because we have emotion invested in every single thing that we buy, we have this perceived value of what something really costs. And so when we dig into things and say, okay, you know, I, okay, first and foremost, when we buy something, if you are in, if you know marketing at all, nobody sells a product, people sell emotions. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's, what's the, the, the tagline for L'Oreal? You're because you're worth it. Because you're <laughs> worth it. You're, they're selling self-confidence. Okay. What's the tagline for McDonald's? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. They're selling <laughs> love and emotion and happiness. Ask some questions. What's wrong okay. with okay. that I don't know? What's, what's Coke's for Coca-Cola? No. Open happiness. Oh, okay. I didn't know. See, didn't know I'm getting all of these wrong. Open happiness. I mean, even Nike, they said, just do it. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're saying just do it. But the difference is they're not standing up in their commercials and saying, look, we made a blue pair instead of a black pair. You got to get these two. It's, you know what? It's blood and it's sweat and it's tears and it's 15 pirouettes in a row. And it's, and it's people crossing the finish line in, in all of their glory. And, you know, and I mean, they are selling goosebumps. They are selling a soundtrack. They are selling where you want to be in life. They're selling emotion. And so every single purchase that we make is made on an emotional level. So that means when every single thing that we see in our home has an emotion attached to it. And there's a value attached to it that is higher than money. So we look at things and we think, you know, my grandkids grew up on this couch and, and I don't care that there is crayon scribble on the back of the couch and then it's torn right there. This is valuable because it's real leather and, you know, real kids can jump on that couch and it won't fall apart. And so because I bought it for $2,000 20 years ago, I'm going to try to get $2,000 out of it now. Okay, I'm sorry. That's just, no, it's not happening. So how we use this, Jen is just cracking up in the background here. Oh, I'm taking notes. <laughs> how we combat this is we find where the true value is. Is the value in the money? Great. Then go proactively get the money out of it, but be realistic with how much you're going to charge for it. Yeah. If the value is in the use of something that is still good, then find somewhere that you can donate it to where the, they can actually use it. So, you know, if it's towels, go donate it to the dog shelter. If it's bed sheets, go donate it to, you know, sleep in heavenly peace or the veterans shelter or, you know, someplace where they can actually use really good things that you're actually going to get use out of it. If the value is in using it and having it and experiencing whatever it is, then use it. I don't care if great, great grandma brought this China over from Wales 
if the experience, if connecting with great grandma comes in using the China, use the China. Is it going to get chipped? Yeah, probably is. Are you going to crack a bowl and drop a plate? And yeah, you probably are. But every time you pull out that China, you're going to think of great grandma and you're going to tell her stories and you're going to, you're going to create a relationship around the stuff that the stuff can't replace. So if you put something in a box saying, oh, my kids are going to find value in this 20 years from now, I'm sorry, chances are probably not because they, you never created a relationship with great grandma. And so to pull out her China 20 years from now and say, oh, here you go. I'm so excited to give these to you. This is, you know, your great, great grandma's China that she brought over from Wales. They're going to go, so I don't want it. So instead, use it now. Experience it now. Tell the stories now. I don't care if something gets chipped. That's what makes it beautiful is because you used it. So use it now and build those relationships. And then the last thing after we get out of perceived value is um, probably one of my favorites. That is just in case. In other words, I'm guilty of <laughs> what if I need this orange? What if I need like Sometimes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had a client that tried to keep like five different crazy shirts out of her closet because what if, what if I get invited to a theme murder mystery dinner? Like, yeah. Hey, you're going to go as the psycho jungle safari person. Uh, no. Like, first of all, how many murder mystery dinners do you go to? Oh, like once every five years. Great. How many are jungle themed? None of them. Okay. Then chances are you won't need this shirt. So when we say just in case, what we are really saying is I'm afraid. That is a fear-based response to say, I'm afraid that I'm going to be left wanting, that I'm going to be caught without. Okay. So what about the times when I gave away something and then I need it and I'm like, see, if I would have just kept that, then I would have it. <laughs> so here's something crazy. Just, you know, representing what our listeners might be saying. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so many times, so many times people are like, I had it and I kept it for so long. And then I finally got rid of it. And then I needed it the next week. Yeah. So here's something crazy. If you end up needing it within a year, chances are maybe we acted, you know what? We did the best that we could under the circumstances. We hadn't used it a year previously, five years previously. You know what? We said, you know what? Chances are I'm not going to use this. I'm going to get rid of it. We made the best decision possible and shucks, we needed it again. I'm going to go buy it again. Okay. Not that big of a deal, but here's something crazy that our brains do. If it's hidden, okay. Jen, I know you have kids. Oh yeah, I have, I have a couple. Right, just, just a few. When your kids have toys that are hidden. Yeah. Do they play with them? No. Do they think about them? No. In Would fact, they care if you threw them away? Th this is one of the topics that I wrote down that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Right. Let's talk right. about because, it. No, they don't. And there's, there are these two totes of train tracks in their playroom. <laughs> uh -huh. That are, uh -huh. and I'm talking totes, dude. I'm talking like, you know, the size of a book. The big bins. Like, yeah. They're big. And they are full of those little wooden train tracks that they played with when they were three. And uh -huh. so last year, 2018, I, I it actually, it started in 2017. 
So two years ago, two summers ago, I was like, you know what? They don't play with these damn things anymore. And I really feel like we should probably just go ahead and give them the little kids that will play with them because they're over right. here. You know, they're screaming, hey, I want someone to play with me. But they don't pay attention to it because Legos just came into their life. So for two years, they've been playing with Legos. They don't give a crap about the trains, right? So then last summer, like all of a sudden, they pulled them out. And I was like, they wouldn't have pulled them out if they weren't here. Right. Then they pull them out, right? They play with them for a day. And I do mean a day for mm -hmm. maybe four mm -hmm. hours. Put them all back. I put the things away. And Stacy says to me, see, babe, probably should keep them. And I'm like, oh, shit, she's probably right. Because now they're Dang. probably going to get on this kick where they pull them out. Then they right. left them in the corner again until three days ago. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. If I would have just given them away, you know? But yes. Give them away when I had the chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it so happens. Here's the thing with kids though. Like if you were to pull them out and say, okay, I'm getting rid of them. Then they're going to scream. No, these were my favorites. I love them. How dare you get rid of them? They were like, we play with these all the time. You found them. What a surprise. And then, so we keep them and then they probably with them for a day and then they don't get touched. Why do we think as adults that we are any different? Yeah. Yeah. We're not. not. <laughs> We're not any different. So what we do in our minds though, we say, oh, but I'm an adult. And so I'm going to go ahead and get rid of it because I have good reasoning skills. And I know that I just, I'm going to pull up my big girl panties and I'm going to take a big gulp and get rid of it. But what happens in our brains? We're thinking about it, right? So we create a situation in which we would have used that within a week or two because it's on our mind, because we thought about it, because we saw it, because, because it impressed upon us. That's you, Lisa. And so <laughs> she's like, dang it. You called me out. I'm on your side, Johnny. So we, for example, I, I was, I was decluttering my refrigerator and I pulled out the Worcestershire, however you say that, Wor Worcester, Worcester, Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire, Worcestershire, that one. Um, I pulled it out and I'm like, okay, I haven't made a recipe using Worcestershire sauce in like a year and a half. I'm not keeping this. This is out of date. Okay. Two weeks later, two weeks, I pulled out a recipe that called for Worcestershire sauce. Uh-huh. And I only needed a tablespoon and I thought, dang it. See, I shouldn't have gotten rid of it. And so I went to the store and I bought it, but I caught myself because I am who I am. I was like, oh, I just said it. I just did it. Yeah. What, what did I just do? I created it just because it was on my mind. If somebody else had gone through my fridge and pulled that out without me knowing, I wouldn't have known the difference. I wouldn't have thought about it. And I surely would not have picked out this recipe because I hadn't picked out that recipe in five years. Mm -hmm. So we create situations simply because we are thinking about it, which tells me two things, get rid of it. And if you need it within the next two weeks, you know that it probably wasn't a real case scenario that you actually would have used it. Okay. The other thing is rotate see the things that you have on a regular basis. If you have so much stuff that you can't see what you have, you don't know what you have, you're never going to use it. Right? So kids, kids, 
don't give them all of their toys at once. Because if they see everything at once, they're going to stop seeing it. Okay. So leave out the Legos and one other toys, mm -hmm. a, a set of toys. And then when they're done with the Legos, then you pull out the mag sticks and the Barbie dolls. Mm -hmm. So you rotate so that they're constantly seeing their toys, but they're seeing their. Am I gone? No, I see you. <laughs> Ashley. Ashley, Ashley, hey. don't go away. We have so many questions for you. Ashley, Ashley come back. Ashley, please come back to us. <laughs> I have to talk. I want to talk Hello. about. I want to talk I about satellite. I have a really important question that I think all of our listeners will want to know. Yeah, like satellite station Stacy. I want to know what you what your thoughts are on satellite stations. Come back. Fine. I have a question about moms. It's really important. Dang it. Are you texting her? I am. Where did you I go? Here's what I was going to ask her. Oh. <gasps> Woo! Okay. So you're talking okay, about so rotating toys with kids. Yes. We got a little, we a little cut off, but we're going to jump in. So I have a question that I feel our audience will really want to know the answer to. Okay. Okay. For moms. Yes. And you have three little ones. So I feel like you can answer this too. So I have a closet full of beautiful clothes, full 15 feet down one side and a full 15 feet down the other. My husband has about three feet of the closet. 90% <laughs> of what's in that closet is now about two sizes too small for me. Mm -hmm. I'm just being the real, real. Mm -hmm. And I have a, a almost three-year-old and an almost one-year-old. So a lot of those clothes, I mean, I'm, I'm like, one day I'm going to get back into them. Do, do I just like accept and just get rid of literally like probably, I don't know, 300 pieces of clothing that I actually love and what I'd still try it on actually, just in case my thigh can fit in it. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, where, so where, so where do you draw that line? Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, listen to what you just said. I still try it on just in case my thigh fits into it. So this, the, I'm so glad you actually brought this up because we can start seeing how all of these different reasons actually combine and intertwine. So first and foremost, you're hanging on to them just in case, just in case I ever get back to the size where I can actually wear them. Okay. Number one, what are you doing to proactively get down to that size? Oh, if you're not I doing anything, <laughs> If you're okay. not doing anything to work towards it, wishful thinking isn't going to get you there. Mm -hmm. And so we have Hope to- not a strategy. Okay. Nope. Nope. So we have to talk about the difference between possibility versus probability. Is it possible that you're ever going to fit back into them? Sure. It's possible. Is it probable? Well, what are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. Are you actively pursuing, you know, getting back to this size? If you're not, then the probability of you fitting back into those clothes mm -hmm. is slim to none. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we also enter, uh, enter the time factor. You know, I don't have time to go work out. I don't have time to meal plan. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to do all of those things um, because it's, it's just not a priority right now. And so the time factor enters in, okay. The value of the clothes, you look around at the clothes and say, but I spent good money on these. I bought these brand new. It's not like I was at the thrift store or, you know, they, they're, they're valuable. And so I'm going to hang on to them until I can sell them. 
great. Well, chances are they're not as valuable as what you think they are. And what are you doing to proactively get the value out of them? If the value is in being able to wear them, then what are you doing to be able to wear them? If the value is in emptying out the closet or feeling good in your clothes, then go sell the blasted clothes and buy the clothes that you feel good in because right now you feel so guilty that you aren't wearing the clothes that you spent good money on because you don't have the time to go work out. Oh my word. Okay. You see how these layer on top of layer, 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 layer. And so, you know, we get so emotionally deep into things like this, that that bombardment of emotion is what causes that overwhelm. And that's what makes us shut the door and not even want to deal with it. So when we're dealing with something like, uh, you know, a, a full closet, realize, you know, have, have realistic expectations for yourself and say, okay, I'm not giving up on myself. If I say I'm done, there's no way, you know, post mom bod and everything else and the hips got bigger and the feet got bigger and everything else. And, and you know what priorities have shifted and I'm more concerned in the relationship that I have with my kids than I am in the relationship that I have with my clothes. So, you know what? I'm going to cut my losses and I'm going to say, I am so thankful for the body that I have. I'm going to combat that guilt with gratitude and say, I am so grateful for the bad choices that I made in clothes, because that means that I learned something from, I am so grateful for the body that I have because that means I have my kids and now I can invest in that relationship with them. So I'm going to spend my time instead of feeling guilty about not wearing the clothes, I'm going to spend my time gratefully with my children and I'm going to cut my losses and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to get rid of 80% of my closet and slowly replenish as I have the money for it now, honestly, and be very strategic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And take that weight off and not ever not well, it ever feel so guilty about it. You're saying, right? Mm-hmm. It applies to grandma's china. It applies yes. to the couch in the basement that you might use. It applies to everything. It applies to, yep. you know, the washer and dryer that don't really work, but you don't want to spend the money, like all the things, mm-hmm. all the things. So all the things. This is amazing. And Jen, I don't know if you have um, any, you know, specific business questions, but um my gosh, this has been so great. And I definitely think, I mean, some of our listeners like have got to reach out, right? I mean, this is such good stuff and you have so much more to share. I know that you, um, you know, talked about the five emotions, the five re's, the five P's to boost productivity. I mean, you have so many, so many great tips and insights, um, to share, to help people to continue to work through this. So that was amazing. And exactly what we were looking for and bringing you on from a bliss standpoint. I mean, this is absolutely a step toward bliss for so many people. Um, the clutter, you know, just, I'm sure when you walk into someone's home, you're kind of like, okay, I know their mental state, you know? <laughs> like, oh, yes and no, I never, I never assume cause mm-hmm. we all know where that leads, sure. but it's, it's fun to approach the situation and say, okay, you know what? you know, I, I love it when people say, Oh, I'm, I'm not emotionally attached. Like this will, this will go fast. This will go easy. And then I start calling them on it. Okay. Listen, why are you keeping this? How come you put that back in the cupboard? How come you've had this in the cupboard? And pretty soon they realize, Oh my word, 
I never understood. I never realized that I was that attached. And so it's really fun to go in, you know, the people that say, oh yeah, I got this. We're good. I just need, I, I just need some time. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But did you realize you just said that thing about the thing and the, the other thing and, and that one too, and now you're combining them, stacking them. And yeah, so it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's fun to see and, and to explain it in a way that they get it and that they understand it. And that they know that, look, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to teach you just right. like I was taught. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And Ashley, I think that what you've done is you've taken something that you're really good at, passionate about, knowledgeable about, and you've, you've made it into a business model. And I think yes. that you've also identified that when people are holding on to their stuff and it changes their emotional state, or if they have all of these clothes in the closet that used to fit them and they're feeling guilty about, oh man, and Lisa's been talking about her clothes for I don't know how many weeks now. <laughs> but I know it's been emotionally draining her, possibly distracting her from her business. So I know for a fact that what you're saying, it, it, it impacts business, even though it's also a form of bliss. So I don't really yes. have any business questions. I yes. feel like the content that you shared, I mean, it should drive a lot of our members and, and our listeners. Well, and it's, and it's, it's, it's phenomenal how we do bring that into our business side of things. You know, we, we hang on to this, you know, hammer just because somebody handed it to us when we really need a screwdriver, but but you know, when, when somebody hands us a hammer, all of our problems look like a nail. And so we're just going to go around nailing things. And it's, it's, it's not until we can emotionally detach ourselves from, you know, but this hammer is still really good. Well, but not everything is a nail. And so yeah. let's, let's find the equipment and the tools that are actually going to set us up for success, uh, which is why I have, so I, I do have my, what I call my organizational grid. So in order to in order to get to where you want to be, everybody wants to be productive with their time and their money, the two currencies of life, right? In order to get there, uh, we have to boost our productivity. But in order to boost the productivity, we have to be organized. You know, a place for everything and everything in its place. We have to know what we have and where it is. But in order to get decluttered and organized, you have to be able to dig in deep to those emotions. So my grid is you first and foremost, you have to dig down. It, it, it's a downward you know, emotional thing. And then you can progress forward with my five re's, my rethink clutter program. And then you can take your five P's of productivity and boost that productivity. So once you make it through the entire, um, you know, rethink grid, my, uh, organizing grid, um, I mean, you're set, you're equipped with everything that I can possibly teach you. Excellent. So fortunately, so I'm so excited. I've got, I've got, everything coming out on, um, in video. So you can take an entire course. You're going to take an entire course. An entire series is coming out on all of them and the entire grid. You can take the big master course. You can break it down into things, you know, smaller, as small as what you need to go to really hone in on something that's really been bugging you. Um, and I'm working as hard and as fast as I can with my web developer and my videographer to get that done as quickly as you can. So in the meantime, please follow me on Facebook because that's where I'm pushing everything out. And that you will be the first to know if you follow me on Facebook, that's where everything is going to happen first. Awesome. Cool. And so on Facebook, they should just look up your rethink business. clutter. Okay. Mm -hmm. So rethink yep. your rethink clutter. All right, Ashley Stewart, this has been incredibly informative and obvi, I have a lot of work to do. <laughs>
That's okay. This is so great. So informative. This is exactly what we're hoping to deliver to our listeners. So just thank you so, so much. You are amazing. And well, thank you for pursuing your passion and using your gifts for good. So that's amazing. We appreciate it so much. So thank you so much. Glad to be here.